Um, I do want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, obviously, um, is what we're celebrating here today. And, and we do special things like we've done so far and had this special music because we want to denote today as a special day. As we all come together to celebrate the birth of Jesus as, as a family, God's only begotten Son, who He sent to this earth to die a painful death so that we could live a glorious life with Him. And celebrating the birth of Jesus, it's a wonderful thing, and one that has near universal appeal. appeal. Christmas is something that is recognized around the world. I think if you were to take a poll of, a, of our kids' first rooms, and it would likely rank overwhelmingly as their favorite day of the year. And for good reason. They, they should feel that way. It's a day of celebration. It's a day of gift-giving and who doesn't like presents? I mean, come on. And while it, it doesn't always play out this way practically in our lives, it's to be a day of joy spent with family and friends. And now I do understand that in certain circumstances, the joy can be somewhat diminished because of dysfunction that may reside in our families or with our friends. Or, or sometimes the joy is dis, uh, diminished because we're missing family and friends who used to be with us and no longer are. And the sadness that surrounds missing someone is heightened on special occasion type of days. And we have many people in our family that I'm sure are feeling that this Christmas season. And I want you all to know that I'm cognizant of that. And, and I pray for those of you in tough situations this year, whatever the source of that struggle may be. But on a day like today, I want to focus our attention on what's really important. Because in a time like this, around Christmas, it's easy to get caught up in the highs or the lows of what we see or don't see around us. So for some, it's easy to become focused on the presence and the pageantry of Christmas. And then on the flip side, it's easy for others to get caught up in the sadness and the somberness that might exist. But I want to focus us all on Jesus. Because he's, he's so much more than the reason for the season. I think that phrase sells him short. It's certainly true, uh, but he's also the reason you and I have the opportunity for eternal life with God. And that's what I want to show you this morning. But you have to know that the opportunity to enter into a personal relationship with God through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, while it's available to all, it is not automatic. You have a role to play and a choice to make, and it's a, it's a choice that I believe wise men and wise women do make. So last week, we looked at the wise men, those wise men who came to see Jesus sometime after his birth, and, and we saw how they sought him out, and, and they had been seeking him and waiting on him to arrive for a long time. And this morning, I want to show you how wise men still seek him. That's the title of, of today's message, and we're going to get that message through the story of a man who sought out God for himself. And that man was named Nicodemus. And you find his story in John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn there with me to John chapter 3. And we're going to find this man, Nicodemus, who seeks out Christ in a time in his life where he, he is certainly aware that there is something different about Jesus. But he can't exactly put his finger on what it is. And he wants to know. 
He wants to know more about him. And this passage is very instructive for us because it gives us some clues on how we need to seek the Lord. And even more importantly, the way we will find him. And I just want you to know from the outset of this message that that everything I'm saying today is really focused on helping those who who don't know the Lord. I want to help you find him this morning if you're interested in that. So if you're in here today, and, and I don't care if it is your first time here or if you've been coming for years, but you can't really say that you've trusted Jesus for your salvation. And you can't say that you know for sure where you would go when you die. And you don't even really know what you think about Jesus and the Bible and Christianity and all of it. If that describes you, I I want you to know I'm thrilled that you're with us this morning. Thank you for coming. And I ask that you pay special attention because I've designed this message specifically for you and and my desire is that, that it answers some of your questions. Now I'm fully aware that most of us in here today do have a relationship with the Lord. And we can say for surety that we've placed our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we know that we're on our way to heaven when this life ends. Well, if if that's you, I know that's most of us in here. What I said previously does not mean you're off the hook and that you don't have to listen. I believe you should, and I believe if you do, you too will get something out of this, and, and, and you'll see how important it is to continue seeking the Lord, even after we've been saved. So let's bring the focus to where it belongs, and let's see the Son of God this morning through the Word of God. And the passage we'll be reading using as our base text is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. In those verses, the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do want to just come to you this morning in a, in a spirit of worship, just thanking you for sending Jesus to this earth. And, and this time of year, in this season, Lord, we, we celebrate his birth and his coming, but Lord, we understand that it was it, it had a it had a very specific purpose uh, on why he was here, and and so Lord, we're we're so grateful for that and we're so thankful for it. And so Lord, I just pray that that you use our time together this morning to focus our hearts, to focus our minds on how we need to see you and how we need to seek you. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in here that that doesn't know you doesn't have a personal relationship with you, Lord, that they will see their need for that this morning, Lord, and they will surrender their life to you uh, even today. Lord, I pray that that everything that is said is true to your word, and 
And Lord, I pray above all that it's glorifying to you and that you're glorified through all that is said and done today. And Lord, in, in, in a service like this, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more special and we do different things. And, and Lord, while we all benefit and we all enjoy them, uh, we do them for you. So be pleased in our, our worship of you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this story of the interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus, it's, it's a very popular one. Um, if you've been in, in churches for any length of time, you, you've, you've probably heard it. And, and, and the words Jesus says in, in, in verses 3 and 7, um, where he says that ye must be born again, those are some of the most quoted words of Jesus, even in our society today. And it's a great story of a wise man who sought out the Lord. And like I've already told you, I believe that wise men still do. And I believe that, that wise men still should. And because Nicodemus sought out the Lord and had this conversation with Jesus, we get to glean the benefits. The Holy Spirit saw fit to inspire the Apostle John to write, this, write down this encounter. And the Holy Spirit wants to use it in our lives even today, some 2,000 years after the conversation took place. Isn't that amazing? And it shows us some keys in finding the Lord. What matters, what doesn't matter, and how it is that we can come into a relationship with God. And the first key that we see in our passage this morning, and I believe this is on your outline sheet, and there's some blanks in there if you want to fill them in, uh, fill them in. If not, it's no big deal. We've, we've got a, a scaled down version with just the main points and the, and the verses today. But the first key that we see in this passage when it comes to having a relationship with God, a genuine, true relationship with God, is that religion is insufficient. Religion is insufficient. You see, Nicodemus was one of the religious leaders of the day. He was a Pharisee. And yet, he doesn't, what's clear is he doesn't know who Christ was. Look back at verses 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. That means he lived by the strictest possible religious rules. He lived according to a moral and ethical code. Not only that, but, but verse 1 also says he was a ruler of the Jews. That likely means he was a select part of the Pharisees known as the Sanhedrin. Though they were the ruling class of the Pharisees, they were kind of like the Supreme Court of ancient Israel, if you want to compare it to our society today. So this absolutely, undoubtedly, would have been a man who lived his life by the law. He would have been very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. We even see that in this passage. Jesus said as much as verse 10. He says, thou art a master in Israel. How do you not know these things? How do you not know the things I'm talking to you about? Down in verse 14, Jesus compares himself to the serpent on the pole that God instructed Moses to construct in Numbers chapter 21 when the nation of Israel were, were dying there in the wilderness and because of the serpents, because of, of their sin. And Jesus gives this example under the full assumption that Nicodemus knew exactly what he was talking about 
Look, look at how John 3.14 is worded. Jesus is speaking and he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. No explanation. No setting of context. Jesus knew that Nicodemus knew exactly what he was talking about. Nicodemus would, would have been very familiar with that story. And yet, when you examine verse 2 of John chapter 3, it's obvious that while he knew who Moses was, and he knew the history of Israel, he doesn't know who Jesus is. He calls him rabbi. He knew he was a teacher. After seeing all of the, the, the miracles that Jesus was performing, Nicodemus knew that he was sent from God and that God was with him. But he didn't know that, that Jesus was God. And the Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Now people have speculated as to why, why he came at night. And the most popular opinion is that he didn't want his other Pharisee brothers to know he was having this conversation with Jesus and that he was seeking out Jesus and getting this, trying to, trying to learn more about him. And, and I suspect that there's, there's probably truth to that from a historical perspective. The Pharisees weren't exactly the friends of Jesus. But I think the picture it paints is much richer because Nicodemus was a religious leader, a moral man, and yet he sought out Jesus from a place of complete spiritual darkness. From a spiritual perspective, it was nighttime in his life. And again, I'm sure he was a good man. He was, he was probably a really good neighbor. Someone you could count on. And even someone who knew scripture. And yet he had been blinded to the truth of God's word. That's what Jesus again said in verse 10. How do you not know this, Nicodemus? You're a master in Israel. You know the Old Testament Better than nearly anyone out here. And he was blinded to the truth of God's word. But you see, there is a difference between knowing Bible verses and understanding the truth contained therein. There's a difference between being a good person and, and knowing the good Lord. And it's Satan's goal to keep you blinded to the truth. Just like Nicodemus was blinded. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that. It says... And whom the God of this world, that's little g, that is talking about Satan, that is the God of this world. And whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, so listen, what, what I want you to understand unequivocally is that when it comes to establishing a relationship with God, with getting to heaven, however you want to describe it, Religion alone is completely insufficient. Attending this church is not enough. Being a member of this church is not enough. Because it's not about religion. And there might be some of you in here thinking, that's fine. I'm not counting on religion, per se, to get me to heaven. I'm counting on my good works. I'm counting on the fact that I'm a good person. But, I mean, listen, surely God will let me in. I mean, surely those, those you know, the, the proverbial scales, which I never quite understood, uh, you know, a, a, exactly. Is 51% enough? I don't know. Well, I can, can, I, can I tell you that if you're counting on your good works, 
than you are counting on religion? It's just the religion of self. You're relying on yourself to get there. And what we're going to see later on is that doesn't work. You have to do it the way God prescribed. You don't get to set your own set of rules, and you don't get to do it the way you want to do it. It's been tried before, I promise you. In fact, it's been tried throughout history. Men and women have tried to earn their way to heaven using their quote-unquote good works. And it started all the way back in Genesis chapter 4 with, with, a, with a man named Cain. And it's what the Bible calls in Jude verse 11, the way of Cain. The verse says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. And according to Genesis 4.2, Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a worker. And his brother Abel was a shepherd. He was a keeper of the sheep. And there came a time when both Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. And Cain's offering was the fruit of the ground. It was from the work that he had put in, tilling and tending to a ground that had been cursed, by the way. But Abel's offering was at the firstling of, the, of his flock. It was nothing that he had worked and nothing that he had even worked for. It was something that God had created and provided. And the Lord had respect unto Abel's offering. But look at God's response to, to Cain's offering in Genesis 4-5. It says, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And in this story, we get the definition of religion, whether you consider yourself a religious person or not. And that definition is, is a system of beliefs by which man seeks to gain God's favor. That's all religion is. A way that we try to, to set up a belief system to gain God's favor. So the way of Cain is to try and to do good works and to be a good person and hope for the best. Is that what you're doing? Because if so, your life will end in failure, just like Cain's. Cain was cursed by God, which according to Matthew 25, 41, has everlasting consequences. And look at Cain's final words in Genesis 4, 14. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And I'm not going to take the time to prove all this to you, but that is a picture of a lost man in hell whose face is hid from God, a, fug a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And that's the best that good works can do for you. See, God requires a sacrifice for our sins, what Abel brought. Not just enough good works to cover up the bad, it doesn't work that way. God wants a relationship with you, not religion from you. And that brings us to our second key in finding the Lord. And that is with respect to a relationship with God, having a relationship with God, that relationship is individual. 
The relationship is individual. Now, now for this point, I want you to catch the specific words in the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and look at what he says in verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man could do these miracles, ex- miracles except thou doest, except God be with him. So when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he lumps himself in with all the other Pharisees. He said, we, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We do, all of us, because we're all in this together. But Jesus doesn't let him get away with that, because, because look at how Jesus answers him in verse 3. And, and I do want to point out, by the way, that Nicodemus does not ask a question, but Jesus answered him anyway, because Jesus knew what he needed more than Nicodemus knew himself. But verse 3 says, so Nicodemus says, we, we know. In John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And the word the in King James English is singular, if you're unaware. It's, the King James English is actually fairly simple. The, the T's, the these and the thou's are singular. The Y's, the ye's, and the U's are plural. Nicodemus said we. Jesus said thee. In our English, Jesus was saying, it's, it's just you and me, buddy. Why are you talking about all them? It's just you and me. And additionally, four times in this passage, you find the phrase, amen, amen. And and that phrase has has a very specific doctrinal meaning for the nation of Israel, as does this entire passage. But practically, it means that Jesus wants a personal relationship with us individually. And just as religion is insufficient for salvation, so is physical family. So is church membership and attendance. We've already talked about that. Those are all ye. When it comes to salvation, God deals in the thee. God wants you. And that's so encouraging to me that, to know that God wants a relationship with me. And it's interesting how it plays out in our passage this morning because if you were to back up to the very end of John chapter 2, In verses 23 and 25, there's some interesting language in here. It says, Now when he, this is speaking of Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man. Look at this last phrase. For he knew what was in man. You see, God knew what was in man, and God still does know what is in man. And let's just be honest, it's not great. But immediately after this, a man named Nicodemus came to him, and Jesus still cared about him. He knew what was in that man, and he still wanted a relationship with that man. And he gave him the answer to his problem. And, and, I, and I point this out, and, and, and here's where I'm driving to it at this point, because when I talk to people about Jesus, 
I hear this type of response all the time. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I've, I've always been a Christian. Or, yeah, I've been, I've been a Christian for as, as long as I can remember. Or, yeah, 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 my, my family's gone to First Baptist Church forever. And, and again, I, I want you to understand very clearly this morning that, that there is no salvation by proxy in God's economy. Household salvation is not a biblical concept. So just because you grew up in church, and just because your mom was saved, and just because your dad was saved, that doesn't mean you are saved. Today, in this dispensation, Jesus is concerned with the personal. And you see that as a consistent theme in Scripture. In John chapter 21, and this would have been after the resurrection, but before the ascension, we have this famous conversation that Jesus has with Peter. And they're restoring their relationship after Peter's denial. And he asked him, there in verses 15 through 17, he asked him those three times, you know, lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou, the, lovest thou the, me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? And he's, he asked him three times, as Peter denied him three times, and they get that, they get that all settled. And immediately after that, like down in verse 18, Jesus tells Peter he's going to die for him, that he's going to be a martyr. And then he, immediately after that, he says, follow me. I mean, if you read those verses, it's a fairly stark discussion. And, and Peter is processing it. I, I, listen, I love that passage. I love passages like that because you see the humanity in people. I can put myself in those situations. And, and so you, you can see in Scripture such beautiful language and the way it's worded. You can just see Peter processing. And he's like, he had just heard. He just got restored to Jesus. And Jesus said, all right, great. Now you're going to die for me. So let's go. And Peter's like, um, wait, 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 what? The, rewind, rewind that back real quick. And, and listen, it's just a natural response. It's like, okay, I'm, all right, let, me, let, me just, let me just process this for a second. And he looks around and he sees John. He sees the apostle John. And he asks Jesus, he says, hey, what about him? And listen, I, that's me. I can see myself in that. I'm like, okay, um, Jesus, I you know, I'm going to die for you, but, like, Jeff's going with me, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not on my own on this one. Like, we're in this together. And, and, and John 21, 21 says, Peter, seeing him say it to Jesus, seeing John, Lord, and what shall this man do? So that's the verse. And Jesus' response is just as stark as the declaration that Peter was going to die. But it gets to the point that obedience is always individual. It's always about you and him. Look at verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, that he stays alive all the way until I come back, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Man, that's cold-blooded, man. Jesus is a bad man. But listen, that's my answer to someone who says they've always been a Christian or they grew up in a Christian family. What's that have to do with anything? What about you and the Lord? I don't want to hear about what your parents did or what your parents are doing. Let's talk about you. And the question I want an answer to is this. Was there ever a time in faith 
that you gave your life to the Lord. Because again, going to church isn't enough. Being a good person isn't enough. Being born into the right family isn't enough. In fact, let me tell you what God says about being born into the physical family that you were born in. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, so this is talking about God's family, being born into God's family, not of blood. It has nothing to do with your physical birth. Nor of the will of the flesh. It doesn't matter what you think your way into God's family is. Nor of the will of man. Because Jesus knows what's in man. But of God. you got to do it God's way. That means that there was something wrong from a spiritual perspective. There was something wrong with your first birth. Your physical birth. And that brings us to our third and, and our last key. To finding the Lord when you seek him. And that is regeneration is imperative. Regeneration is imperative. And regeneration, it's a, you know, it's a fancy term. But it's, it's just a theological term that means born again. It means being quickened or made alive by the Holy Spirit of God. It's what Paul describes in his letter to Titus. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 and 5. It says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, in order to be saved, in order to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus, in order to get to heaven, you must be born again. From a spiritual perspective, there was something wrong with your first birth, your physical birth. This is what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. That's what we see in his message. After Jesus confronted Nicodemus with the personal aspect of a relationship, he tells him how it's possible. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And he says it again down in verse 7. And the message that, that we see an, an introduction to practically for us is we get an introduction to the doctrine of the new birth or the second birth, the, the spiritual birth, the being made alive, being quickened by the Holy Spirit of God as you place your faith in Jesus. And this was confusing to Nicodemus. He said, wait a second. Look at verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He knows that that that's not possible. He's not actually thinking that that's a possibility. He's just confused. But born again, what what do you mean? That makes no sense at all. And Jesus tells him, again, this is, we're not talking about a physical birth. The, the, The second birth The new birth is spiritual. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that is the physical birth, born in the mother's womb, and of the Spirit. That's the second birth. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, 
and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So there's a new birth, a second spiritual birth that must take place in a person in order for that person to truly find the Lord. We already read John chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 that say we can become sons of God by being born of God. And the question I I really want to drive to is, is according to scripture, have you been born again? And what that means again, is that there was a specific time and place where you placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ as the one and only acceptable sacrifice for your sins, not your works. And it's something you can point to, kind of like your physical birth. And, and, and I understand that illustration breaks down a little because you probably don't remember the day you were born physically. But I bet your parents do, or did, and that day happened. You have record of that day happening. Well, the spiritual birth is kind of like that. There was a moment that you were made alive spiritually based on a free will decision you made to place your faith in Jesus. So do you know if you've been born again? And if you don't know, I have great news for you. You can You absolutely can know today that you are saved, that you are born again, that you are on your way to heaven. Listen, that is why Jesus came to this earth. We celebrate his birth every year on December 25th, and we should do that. But listen, like I told you in the introduction, you have to know that he came to this earth to die. But it was so that you and I could live. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? To save sinners. Of whom I am chief. Paul understood who he was. So Christmas is about salvation. The famous Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2 says this in verses 9 through 11. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And listen, the fact that he is called a Savior means that somebody needs saving. And according to 1 Timothy 1.15 that we just read, that somebody is sinners. That's you, and that's absolutely me. And Romans 3.23 says it's all of us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, we all need a Savior because we all have a sin problem. Let's go back to Jesus' illustration of birth for a second. When you were born, you inherited many things from your birth parents, right, through DNA that you, that you got from them. I, mean, I just saw a video of, of Tiger Woods and his son. They're playing in a, at a golf tournament together this weekend, and there's a video going around where his son, like, has the exact same timing and swing, like when they pull up the tee. And I'm sure he's watched him, but there's just things in him because he's his son. Our DNA, we get things from our parents that we don't even, we don't even know. It doesn't make sense. We, it's, just, it's just in us. It's inherited in, in us. Well, as part of that physical birth, we inherited something from our parents who inherited them from them parents. Ultimately, 
that we inherited from Adam. That's a sin nature. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, that one man is Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And, and, and that death passed upon all men, because according to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And a wage is something you earn as a result of the work that you do. We all understand that from our jobs. We talked about works earlier, and we really learned the problem of them right there. Because all we can earn from our works is death. It's because of the standard. The standard, according to Romans 3.23 that we read, is God's glory. It's perfection. So our, our, we have sin in us, and we sin, and so we can never meet that. And all you need to know is, the other thing you need to know is that when the Bible talks about death from sin, it's not talking about a physical birth. None of this is physical, right? The new birth, everything, the being born again, this is all a spiritual conversation we're having. It's the context of all of it. And the Bible's definition of death is an eternal separation from God in a place commonly referred to as hell, a place of eternal torment. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 8 and 9 says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And in the book of Revelation, God defines it for us even further and calls it the second death and says it's a, it's a, it's a lake of burning fire. Again, a place of eternal torment, separated from God. And listen, that's bad news. But praise the Lord, it doesn't stop there. That's why we celebrate Christmas. If we go back to the book of Romans, we, we find the good news, starting in Romans 5.8, that says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Savior appears. And going back to Romans 6.23, we, we, we read that first part of that verse already. But let's finish it. Because it's, it's a great verse. And the whole verse says, for the wages of sin is death, but, praise the Lord for that but. But the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why Jesus came. It's what we're celebrating he came to live that perfect life and then die as a sacrifice for you and for me. It's what the Bible calls the gospel. You can find it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Here's what you got to believe. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And according to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, if you place your faith in that, in that finished work of Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins, being buried and raising again on the third day. You can be saved. 
That is how you are born again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou, you, shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Listen, I want you to know more than anything, he is a wonderful Savior. And he's a wonderful Savior to all. But I have to ask you one more time. Is he a wonderful Savior to you? Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all men, upon all them that believe. You see, his offer of salvation is unto all. So it's available to everyone. But it's only upon them that believe. His salvation offer is available, but it's not automatic. That's where we started. His offer is for everyone, but you don't get it if you don't accept it in faith. It is a gift, according to Romans 6.23. And I can bring you a gift, and I can make it available, but until you claim it as your own, it is not yours. So remember our birth analogy. There's a moment where it happens, where you make a decision to place your faith in what Christ did by believing the gospel for yourself. And if you've never done that, God's salvation, while available to you, is not applied to you. Revelation twenty two seventeen, 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. You see, salvation is only limited by your unwillingness to take it, to take of the water of life and to drink it freely. So if you haven't done so, I would love for you to drink freely today and make today your spiritual birthday where you are born again. Religion is insufficient. Religion can never get you to heaven It's an individual decision because that's how relationships work. God won't force you into a relationship. And you've not entered into a relationship with God by proxy. You have to decide. But when you do, you are regenerated and born again into God's spiritual family. If you've never done that, will you do that today? Let's have every head bow and every eye closed. And with... And with no one, no one looking around, every, everybody's focus, focusing on, on the Lord now, I just, I just want to ask you a question. So hearing what you've heard this morning, do you remember and, and know of a time that you were born again? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved and that if you were to die today that you would wake up in the presence of the Lord? Do you know that? And if the answer to those questions are no, I want to pray for you. So I just want to ask you, is there anyone in here this morning, you're not sure, that you don't know that you're saved? And you don't know. You can't say with a surety that that if you were to die today that you'd wake up in the presence of the Lord. If, If that's you and you're unsure, would you mind just raising your hand? I just want to pray for you. Have anyone in here? Thank you. Do we have anyone else in here this morning? 
Thank you. Nice to see you guys. Anyone else who's not sure as you're saved this morning? Thank you. I'm going to pray for you and here in just a second. Now, I want to be clear. My prayer won't save you. Only your prayer, telling God that you're placing your faith in Jesus Christ, that's all that will save you. But you can do that this morning. And as soon as I get done praying, we're going to sing a couple more songs to close out the worship service. And during those songs, we're going to have a, a, couple, a few of our pastors down here at the, at the front of the aisles. And they'll be waiting at the ends. And if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, and you want to know how to be saved today, just excuse yourself and walk down the aisle and, and one of our pastors will meet with you and walk you through how it is to be saved. And I, I know that can be a little scary and I know you think, man, everybody might see me and, and maybe it's even a little bit embarrassing, but, but I can promise you there will be hundreds of people in this room so excited for you and for the decision you're making. So as soon as I finish praying and we start singing, why don't you come down? If you'd like to be born again today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for you, and we're so thankful for you sending Jesus to, to be our salvation and for dying, that living the life and dying the death that we couldn't, so that we could spend eternity with you and enter into a personal relationship with you. Lord, thank you so much for that. And Lord, there were a number of folks that that raised their hand this morning. And so I just want to take a minute and pray for them. And, and Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit continues to work on their heart. And, and Lord, I pray that they're sincere. And I pray that, 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 that you give them the courage to, to step out and, and to, to come down and talk to someone. And they, they can get saved right there in their seat, too. There's nothing special about coming down the aisle. But if there's any questions that they have, Lord, we would, we'd love to talk to them. And so I pray for them now. I pray that you give them the strength and the courage to, to do that if, if they need to do that, Lord. And, and as we close out this service just worshiping you with a couple songs, Lord, know how grateful we are, how thankful we are for Jesus. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.